Hey, yo, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. I am one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. We got DJ Never here. Yo, what up? We got DJ D-Miles. Yo, what's good? We got Jamie the Great. Yeah, what up, what up? And we got a special guest. LA's one of LA's finest. Uh, I got to know this DJ on Twitter last year a lot, and uh, I was loving all of his quick mix videos. He had these really clever blends and mashups. And, uh, you know, during the versus battles, uh, he had the best versus recap. I actually look forward to his recap, especially if I, like, kind of miss some of the verses live. I would I would go to his Twitter and I would check out his recap. And he has a great following on Twitter. Very talented DJ, man. I'm, I'm really happy to have him here. We have DJ Artistic, man. What's good, sure. man? What's good? What's, What's good? good, brother? What's good? How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here with y'all. How's yeah. everybody doing? Good, man. Good. We're, glad, yeah. we're glad you're here, man. Are you, so you're sure. from... Gardena, California. I, I don't know where that yeah. is, but it's it's near yeah. D. It's it's around yeah, where you are. Yeah, so artistic. I grew up in Inglewood. Oh, you Inglewood? Yeah, so, so we, you know we it's neighbors. right there. Yeah, yeah. We, we're neighbors, and I was trying to explain yeah. to Cooking and Nev exactly where it is, man. But in relation, I used to really be in that area a lot at the parks, man, because I hooped. So. Oh, Raleigh like Park, I, Holly Holly Park, Park, Holly uh, Park, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah basically, my, I mean, I was born in Inglewood, and then grew up Gardena. Of course, all my family is South Central, the Mid-City, the Hancock, so... I've been in South Central for about 11 years, but Gardena is basically, uh, everybody knows Crenshaw. Crenshaw goes from South Central through Inglewood. Everybody knows Rosecrans from Compton. So I, I grew up Crenshaw and Rosecrans. So basically yeah. kind of in between, a little bit a little bit safer though. So it was a little bit more chill than Compton. Compton was kind of active back then. So <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel yeah. like Gardena, Gardena was always like the middle class, but it didn't really, ever really get too crazy over there. Yeah, it kind of was. was. It was more chill. It's like we got the culture, but we didn't have to worry as much type yeah. deal. So yeah. yeah. Like yeah. You guys, you guys, I feel like y'all should know each other or like y'all should have people in the same circle, right? And the same Probably. Way, same Probably. I was so even, yeah. I was even yeah. telling Crooked before we even interviewed you because I went to St. Bernard High School. Oh, I'm Bishop, you know I mean? so yeah. Yeah, you went to Bishop yeah. Montgomery? Yeah. That's crazy. So, so like we definitely, we probably like, because I might be a few years older than you, but I know we probably know a few of the same people at least, bro. So My, my guy kid's uh, mom went to St. Bernard, so it's, it's yeah. one of those type deals. Yeah. Yeah, man. Small, a lot of people, world. a lot of yeah. people from Inglewood and Gardena built went to both of those schools, Crook, because it was more of like yeah. the if you hooped or if you had a decent yeah. amount of money, yeah. your parents had money, you would send them to Bishop Montgomery or St. Bernard or Sarah. Yeah. Or Gardena. Sarah, yeah, yeah. I grew up right by Sarah, so it's all the same little circle. So yeah, yeah. You guys are so you guys are so LA, man. It makes me sick. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we, we are though. That's the only way to be. That's the only way to do it. We gotta represent. I know, yeah. man. Yo, like. Yeah. Being from LA, it's funny because when I when I when I see you on Twitter, you, look, you're really opinionative. You know, I actually look forward uh, to seeing and reading your takes on certain uh, certain social issues and whatever comes up in pop culture and music and with artists. I, I really enjoy your takes, and you have like such a great following, and I love reading the comments and replies to shit. Like, it's really interesting. But I, I always notice like. You're very L.A., but then you're very South. You know all the South music. Like, I, I remember, like, listening even to some of you, like, you would do, like, these quick mixes, and even on your Twitch, you would play these records that I would never hear. Like, I've never heard of them. Mm. Like, I think one of the yeah. records that stood out to me was, like, Booty Me Down. I never heard that <laughs> shit ever. You know what I'm saying? And then I heard, you, play, down, yeah. you, I heard you yeah. playing it, Booty Me Down, Booty Me. And I was oh, just like, I, yeah. So, like, when you play that, I was like, what the, is this new? I was like, well, I've never heard this shit before. And it was like, I was yeah. like, oh shit, this shit is old, man. So like, so I was thinking, I was trying to put two and two together. I'm like, 
he knows so much about the South. And I was wondering if that had to do with you going to uh, FAMU, which is the Florida A&M University, right? HBCU, yeah, yeah. Uh, Historical Black College University, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and just being probably, I'm, you probably went there in the 2000s. So I'm assuming like you, you were just like right when Dirty South was just popping and it was just, it was like all over the, the hip hop scene and it was just like exploding. You were there in college, like experiencing all of that shit, pretty much. Yeah, I mean that's what it, that's what it came from. I mean, the thing about it is that I grew up in L.A., Gardena, Inglewood, of course. But my dad is from the South, my mom's from the South. Mm-hmm. They both went to FAMU. Uh, my mom's whole family went to FAMU. So even before I got to FAMU for college, I was always in the South because, of course, every summer is Memphis for a couple weeks, Florida for a couple weeks. So I'm always out there to hear stuff. I remember hearing like Tennessee from Arrested Development in Tennessee when it first came out back in like '92. So I remember, and, and, and ironically, ironically, I actually heard nothing but a G thing because my cousin from Tallahassee was in LA at the time, and I was a kid, so I was too young to really care about music yet. I was still watching uh, Turtles and all that back then, but it was where like I remember her being like, "You don't know who Snoop and Dre are? They from LA?" And I'm like, "All right," but so I learned it from her. But from there, it, it was all the way on. So. Uh, getting to FAMU in that early mid 2000s era, like that's when the South was first taken off. Like I was in Tallahassee, where FAMU is, and that's where T Pain is from. So he was in high school when I first got to FAMU, and next thing you know, he's one of the biggest artists out there. And it was just the South was really like right at the cusp when I got there. So when I got there, it was where it was the East Coast last, like to me, great era of of music that was played in the club. And it right. was even go to to Atlanta. Atlanta was four hours away. So I would go to a club called Club Envy that was in Atlanta sometimes, 0304. And it sounds crazy now, but they would have a floor up top where it was all down south music. Then down below was all East Coast and reggae. And it sounds crazy to have a whole room of East Coast music. But back then you had like the, uh, what was it, I Get High, the Rock the Mic, the Flip Side, the Pump It Up, the whole 50 Cent album, yeah, yeah. the mixtapes, the G Unit. You had the We Gonna Make It, the Jay-Z uh, Blueprint, then Black Album era. You had all that from the East Coast at that time. Uh, Lean Back was still big. To me, that was the last time that... Yeah, Dipset. Yeah, Dipset was huge. So I feel like that was the last time the East Coast had a strong dominance in the club. Yeah, yeah. Right at the same time, the South was bubbling. So I remember seeing Ying Yang Twins perform there. And it was when Lil Jon, that whole album was getting played. We we would play eight songs from that album. You had like uh, Bone Crusher, Never Scared was huge. You even had the the Field Mob type groups. So Mm -hmm. it was just that combination. At that time, the West Coast was kind of dead commercially. Of course, like Snoop was still around. We had beautiful and those type songs dropping like it's hot. But LA was dead. Hyphy was starting to build up. But right. yeah, that whole mid two thousands was just the South was really starting to come from every angle. ATL, Louisiana had the Wayne and everybody. Wayne was starting to get bigger and bigger. You had Texas by 05. They made their mark. Florida was getting bigger by 07. Florida ran stuff. You had Plies, you had Rick Ross, you had T Pain. Trick Daddy mm-hmm. was still a factor. So it was just being there in that moment, it made a whole lot of sense. It's great. You just named like such a great era, right? Just every every <laughs> artist, <laughs> no, yeah. every artist you went to was like, yeah. Yeah. I was surprised that accurate he was with the memory on on point like that too. I was just I like, damn man, some of these good like Field Mob. I forgot about Field Mob. Field Mob, yeah, they had oh, some hits shit. back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Is that were you DJing at that time or like what you know? So, so my background is basically I started rapping back in like '94. I was a kid. Are you were spitting. You were spitting. Like, yeah. Ooh. I used to rap, rap, and really, I was. So, um, who did you yeah. sound like? Who, who was your, who was your? So, so here's the funny thing. It was '94. So, 
Uh, the show our age, my name was RMC back then. My real name is Ron, so it was like, instead of DMC, I was RMC. But then I sounded more like Snoop and Westside Connection. All I talked about was West Coast stuff, because that's all I knew. So I had tapes back in 96 where half the songs were called Westside something. It was Westside Gardena, or it was Westside Relation. It was just like... All I rap like was Mac Ten and Dub C and Snoop back then. Because so. yeah. I, I, I was researching yeah. you a little bit online and said like you started out producing too, like yeah, yeah. So I was producing, so I was making my own beats at the same time. So yeah. I was on an old uh, JV thirty five rolling uh, keyboard back then. It was I had a sequencer called Cubase, which a lot of folks might know about from back in the day. But I was making beats, and then by like two thousand one, it was where I wasn't really rapping as much. It was more so I focused on production, and then by oh four. I was actually one of the producers with Black Wall Street with Game when Game first came out. Yeah, so, yeah, I was real. So yeah. you actually produced with, for the Game and shit during that yeah, time? Yeah, back then, yeah. You might remember a song called Therapy Sessions that was like Game, uh, Cam, G Malone, Chevy Jones. So it had the same sample as uh, Destiny's Child, Girl, and that was uh, produced by mm. Ninth Wonder. So that was, that was in 04. And, and the fact that they dropped theirs first, that song couldn't really go anywhere because it was like, all right, the sample's already been used. It's on the radio, but... It was a couple other songs. Oh, like so you sampled the songs. same. You sampled the same shit that Ninth Wonder did, and then they yeah, dropped so Girl. They dropped Girl first, so it was like, of course, I gave it to them first. But Girl dropped, and it was like, all right, by the time because Game's album came out in '05, yeah, Girl 05. came out in '04, so it was like, all right, so that'll be a mixtape track. So it was, it was on the mixtapes the Game had back then, but it wasn't the album cut. So you got because he was put, he was he was putting out he was putting out so many mixtapes at that point. Yeah, yeah, a lot of mixtapes back then. Yeah, like the 300 bars and running shit and uh, like the, the yeah. Black Washer with DJ Ski and shit like that. Yeah, I remember all that shit. Wait, so how'd, yeah. you, how'd you link up with the game, though? And shit? So basically, uh, my homegirl from high school, she grew up in Compton, and she grew up with uh, uh, one of the artists named Black Friday because Black Wall Street roster back then was like uh, Black Friday, Fobin, a.k.a. Billboard, who got killed like right right before game even came out. So uh, Billboard came to my house with Fat Rat and Black Friday back summer of 04. They just listened to my beats, and then I got with them then. Crazy enough, Billboard got killed behind my house a month later. So it was just like to show you how crazy L.A. was back in 04. But, God yeah, damn. so I was rolling with them 04, 05. And then um, it was tough for me to really stay with them because I was in Florida going back and forth. So I would get back for Christmas break for a week or two. Then I'm back in Florida, so I, I missed everything that was really happening. I would, mm. I was there uh, December Christmas break '04. The album dropped January 18th, a couple of weeks later. So I remember like I missed the whole release being in LA because, of course, I couldn't get flown back to LA for that. I, I was in school, so mm-hmm. I missed a lot of what happened. Then when I got back summertime, game ended up having beef with everybody who was part of Black Wall Street, and they, they ended up splitting. And it was Brazil Street versus Black Wall Street, and it was just the whole whole little thing back then. But yeah. I didn't, I didn't even know about that beef. I didn't even know. Yeah, it was that a, yeah, I remember that shit. There was a whole situation with that where him and his his brother and everybody kind of split up. And when I got back, it was where a game wasn't there, but they still had the studio equipment, but they were selling games equipment. So it was like, hey, you want these red Timberlands with the bandanas? Uh, I might put them on eBay tomorrow. So it was it was a crazy time back then. So they even with that, like I won't get too deep into it, but they told me about the whole beef with him and 50 in 04. The album and singles didn't drop till 05. They told me in 04, like, he ain't really rocking with them. So once he drops the album, he going to leave G-Unit anyway. So when 50 oh, wow. kicked him out, he ain't really kick him out. Game was already on the way out anyway, but it was just for the publicity. You know, 50, you know how he is. So he was like, yeah, I'm kicking Game out. Game was like, I already had the, the diss rigging last year. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. like, while the game was blowing up, were you did you have, like, all these regrets? regrets? Like, damn, man, like, I should have stayed in L.A. I shouldn't go back to school. And all this I feel shit. like at, in the moment a little bit, but like looking back, no, because like 
uh, the initial question you asked is, was I, was I DJing? I didn't start DJing really till 06 after that, but 05, looking back, like, I mean, I'll be real. I grew up in Gardena where it was, like d said, it was a little bit more chill. It was Crips, but it was middle class a little bit, so it was like, it was just chill. Me going to Compton back then, I was not really built for it. So just me yeah. hanging around those types, <laughs> like, I always felt kind of tense, like, it always felt like something might pop off. Whenever somebody new came in the house, it's like they'd give me that look. They'd just kind of inspect me. They would say little stuff. Like, these miles knows how it is. They say little small stuff to test you just to see how you respond. Yeah. Like, like basically, like, hey, hey, hey homie, you see my, my red phone? My red phone under my red bandana? You ain't see it? You ain't see it, blood? All right, blood. And so they would just say little stuff <laughs> just to kind of test me to see how I respond. I'm just like, I ain't see it. I ain't see it. So looking back, I don't regret it because I remember getting back one time for break. And the day, I, the day I got back, I didn't realize that it was a shootout the day before. Um, so when I walked up, everybody's like, hey, hey, go home, go home. Don't, don't even be around here. It's too hot. So, yeah. Like, so I don't, really, I don't really regret being around that that circle in that moment. Because even seeing how hot LA is now with the gang beef and with the rappers, like, like yeah. I, I like to be able to DJ and go home. I don't like having to be around the circle like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wait, yeah. wait. So where did you get into DJing? In in, in uh, Florida? In FAMU. In yeah, FAMU. in Florida. So, so I wasn't really... Basically, it was it was a type deal where even the way my whole story goes, like I became a DJ because I'm a LA person who went to FAMU. If I went to Howard or Morehouse, I probably wouldn't a DJ because the thing about FAMU is that Florida has their own sound and they're very very like as much as y'all know about Florida, you, you probably never heard Stick Drill and and Let's Get Freaky and these random songs. So when you go to the club in Florida, you don't hear anything but really South music. You would hear a little bit of LA stuff, a little bit of down South stuff, but you wouldn't really hear anything that came from LA. So yeah. the only reason I was even doing these these LA type of um, parties is because of the fact that I came from LA and I was in Florida, so nobody else was playing that music. It was like, I had to be the one to play that, that West Coast music. Oh, wow. And there was a demand for the West Coast music in Florida like that? Maybe because a lot of the well, students. Only, yeah, because the students. It was about 100 of us who came from L.A. and the Bay. So oh. us being there. So that's the, that's the whole thing. I was just doing house parties. I wasn't doing the club the first year or two. You could hook us oh, up yeah. with some of your early uh, demos. I should you have rhyming? some. Yeah. Oh, 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 with me. I just said game. Now with you with rhyming. Me rhyming. I actually, it's funny. My dad threw my tapes away, but my friend in uh, Long Beach actually has one. He told me he found one a couple months oh, ago. For real? So. That's from like 96, 97. Wait, wait. Why, yeah. did you, why did your dad throw your tapes away? It was just him not realizing that I still use cassette tapes because it was like 0102 when I had the CD burner. Like maybe he just assumed I didn't use tapes anymore, but I'm like, no, I still, I still use them. Like it was just memory. It was memories more so than like anything else. I had, I had everything recorded like old 92.3, Theo drops and everything. Oh, shit. Oh, I, still have a, I still got a couple of them. I still got one where it's like Tupac shouting out Theo. Like it's not even on YouTube anywhere, but I still got that. That's crazy. That yeah. Wait. So, yeah. did you get into DJing in LA? Like, because I always wanted to know, like, who, like, who, like, who did you look up to DJing in LA? Yeah. So for DJing, so the thing with LA is that LA was not really known as much for DJs in the way that New York was, or even Atlanta in the nineties. I feel like so we had a lot of dope DJs, but it was where if you weren't like at in the parties yet, yeah, if you weren't at the club, like. Like, of course, we had DJ Alagn and all those. I didn't know them until I started DJing, probably. Well, I knew his name. I knew Alagn because, of course, he had low profile with Dove C. Mm -hmm. I knew about Alagn just from his name, but I didn't know him. I never saw a battle routine from him until the 2000s. So as far as, like, radio DJs, LA was kind of based more on personality. So we knew, like, Theo. I remember some who, like, one dude passed. His name was Captain G. I don't know if he was on power or, or on the beat, but I remember him being a, a radio DJ back in the 90s. And then we had the Baker Boys. We had, of course, Big Boys of Personality. But I feel like 
as far as actual DJs go from LA, I didn't really have a lot of influences growing up uh, as far as DJs go specifically. I learned about all of them like mid 2000s, late 2000s when I started DJing and when I moved back to LA. So as a kid, I remember one DJ, his, his name was Mike something, like early 2000s. I remember going to a skating party or to like a, a birthday party, Sweet 16 party that um that he was at. I remember him being dope because he was playing like badass album cuts type tracks. But it was like aside from the ones who, who were doing like Sweet 16 parties, I was too young for the club. And then the radio didn't really have a lot of super known DJs who were known for DJing. It was more so personalities versus... New York, you know, you had the kick Capri types and the Funk Flex who were personalities, but still DJs at the same time. So Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Did, did you feel like you didn't relate to some of the DJs? Because, like, I don't, like, when I was growing up, and I, like, you just mentioned Theo, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And when yeah. I heard about that, I was like, yo, that's the coolest shit I ever heard because we heard <laughs> yeah. Theo in L.A. was, like, Asian, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, he was, and yeah. he, I think he was Japanese or some shit. But I think he was Japanese. Yeah, yeah. He, he sounded like the the motherfucker from Boys to Men with who was yeah. the deepest voice, right? Yeah, Mike, 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 the, Mike uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Who would be at the end of the songs, yeah. like yo, like come <laughs> back. That was his whole like, voice. Yeah, baby, baby, come back, yeah. come back. It and was then, him. Yeah, and yeah, I, it was him. <laughs> yeah. That's how he sounded. Like, like my name is Theo. I'm a Scorpio. He had that type of voice. So it was like you had him. You you even had like PJ Butter, the homie PJ Butter. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Of course we had. So yeah, a lot of them we grew up on, and even um. KJ Ellis had a couple personalities as well back then, but it was where I couldn't really tell you a lot of actual mixing DJs. If you told me their names, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that name. But as far as who I actually looked up to, it was still more so New York DJs, I feel like, at the time. Wow. But yeah. looking looking back at it, it's like, yeah, I learned about J-Rock and then more so in the 2000s because I wasn't really, I was more so into the rappers and the producers because that's what I was back then. Right. I was rapping and producing. I didn't really start paying attention to DJs and their styles until... That until the, the 2000s when I was actually at it, then I realized that each region had their own style, and even within LA, you had the more the kind of what you saw as the hood DJs, and that's the thing about LA too is that you realize like I learned about DJ T and DJ um, General Lee and all them more so 07, 08 when I got back to LA, and with that they're they the ones who ran like the black party scene in, in, in the 90s, but I didn't know who they were until I was like in my early mid 20s at that point. That's that's crazy. So like your path, your path is almost very similar to mine where like okay, yeah. I, I did like I did kind of like want to DJ, but I was focusing on like producing and a little bit of rapping and shit like that. But then yeah. I just I started DJing because I needed to make money and like opportunities were coming up and shit. So I was just like, yo, like production, you don't really make money. You're kind of like you're in the cut. You're trying to I like, mean, you know, yeah. you're in the you studio, open. you're in the lab. You're like kind of just like. You're just working with artists. You're giving beats for free. You're working with you. You know, you're doing all of this shit for free. And after like two or three years, I was like, yo, I'm, I made no money. I'm talking to a couple labels, yeah. but like nothing's happening right now. So I was like, let me just start DJing, making some money because these motherfuckers are making three to five hundred a night. So I was like, let me just try to do that shit. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like that could have been a big part for me. I think it might have been an underlying reason that I just didn't have the passion for it because I... Yeah, I started making my first beats in 95, and then I started working with different artists around 01, and like some of the artists who I worked with the most, 01, 02, doing full albums for them and getting paid nothing. They would, yeah, give yeah. Me, they, they would give me a computer as a gift, and then with that computer, I'm making beats, and they would get mad that I made beats for somebody else. And I'm like, hold up, you didn't even pay me. That's, if that's the payment, I can make whatever I want to with it. And then it was like, I remember just all the way up to 04, 05, I probably made a total of $75 from 
producing. And that was like my boy Brian's mom giving me like a gift because I was in college. Like, here's 75 because you always look out for him and producing his stuff. <laughs> that was like when I got paid. And so it was like, I don't think I really cared a whole lot because I felt like it was a bigger picture of it. But I, I guess deep down it does hit you when you spend all this time and you don't make money. And with DJing, it wasn't even about money for me initially. It was more so about doing these West Coast parties at FAMU. And it was like, I was just doing those for the homies. But then next thing you know, everybody from every other city is coming to our parties. And then they want to hear their own music because like 18, 19 year olds are too stuck in their own ways. They're too arrogant to care about learning something else. So it's like a lot of them did learn our West Coast music and they enjoyed it. But some of those girls would come in like, you ain't playing no Boozy. You ain't playing no Tampa Tony. You ain't playing no Kaya. You got to play this down South stuff too. Yeah. So I had to learn how to incorporate that. At first, I fought back. I'm like, I don't care. This is not your party. This is a right, right, right. LA event. <laughs> like, you can go home. You can go to the moon. You can go to all these other clubs that's popping that play down south stuff. But yeah. after a while, I learned to adjust. And that's where my whole style came from of learning that. Like, the thing about it, like, like you've mentioned about how the south, I'll play stuff in the south that only they know. Yeah. I realized being from LA that everybody has the surface level hits. And then you have like the B and C level songs right. that only the locals know. So for LA... Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knows California Love, next episode, it was a good day. So we, we went to the club in Florida. We would hear those songs, but we like, we don't hear no East Siders. We don't hear no Sugar Free. We don't hear this short shot. So it was the same way for each place in the South. Like, Louisiana, I remember doing a Louisiana party, and before I did it, they were kind of on my head. Like, I don't know why the campus is getting you to do it, because uh, you ain't from uh, Louisiana. All you know is probably Lil Wayne and maybe Webby. And I'm like, I know whatever else. And they was like, you don't know who uh, DJ Jubilee is. You don't know Fifth World Weeby. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I walked away like, I don't know what they are. I went, I went and Googled it and went home. I spent six hours just learning about bounce music. I didn't know what bounce music was until I got that Louisiana party. So the next day, I'm playing all this bounce music, and I'm realizing that's what backed that ass up, and I need a hot girl. That came from that sound. So now I know DJ yeah. Jimmy, where they at. I know all the, um, the um, Bend It Over, all these type songs. So it was where I learned about each region's, like, deep cuts. And that's the reason whenever I do stuff out of town or even in L.A., I could play everybody Chicago, Percolator. I can go deep with the house. I can go deep with the New York, whatever it is. Just knowing that if you're really from there, you might like hearing the Benjamins. But if you play something deeper, they really get hyped to it. Yeah. I, I saw you doing, like, a, a Diddy party recently. Yeah. You know, you yeah. did a Diddy party and you, you were playing, um, you know, Shine a light on him. You, yeah, you, yeah. You was playing a lot of uh uptown Harlem records. I was like, oh shit, he Harlem. knows about this Harlem shit, yo. Know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, was, a, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what it is to me. It's like because I'll go to New York. Like whenever I go out of town, like I purposely get get um to whatever city I go to a day or two early just to hit the clubs up. I like going to the the most safest hood club I can go to because the more hood <laughs> oh, it man. is, the, the, the more local stuff you hear. If you go to a yeah. commercial mainstream club. You're hearing the same stuff you hear in L.A. So That's I'm right. like, let me go somewhere where I can learn, like, the stuff that only the locals rock to. Mm-hmm. So the same thing for every single city. <laughs> Memphis is the same way. Texas yeah. the same way. So New York, mm-hmm. whenever I go out there, like, I was going out there 07, 09, and I'm hearing all these toe-op songs, the Swag Kids 5000. And, of course, like, we knew BT had chicken noodle soup, but I didn't know about the 5000 and, like, even the Nikki I Gets Crazy. I learned all those songs as being out there and hearing it and seeing them go off to it. So... I'm like, all right, if I get an actual New York crowd, let me drop this on Jackie to see if they know it. So if somebody's really from Harlem, it's like, oh, how you know that? So Yeah, yeah. That's was, was there somebody that was putting you onto these records when you was in Tallahassee, like in for local Tallahassee stuff? Or was it more you just doing your research? I mean, for Tallahassee, because so I didn't really start DJing until like my third, fourth year anyway. But just going to the club out there all the time, you heard all these songs. So I remember my first week being at FAMU, I heard uh, K. Wang, Kaya, and it was where... Uh, if you're from Florida, you know it's an actual dance to it. That's not the line dance. Anywhere else in the South, they have a line dance to it. But 
in Florida, they have they have their own little dance, a little bounce to it. So I was just be at these clubs, and I was at the club for three, four years before I started DJing. So I was able to learn everybody's stuff. Like Atlanta, of course, everybody knew Bone Crusher, uh, Never Scared. But if you you were out there, you knew like No More Playing GA, Pastor Troy. You knew like the DG Yola ain't gonna let up. Like those are those songs that. Only you only heard in the South, but they went so hard. So I would learn, and then the DJs from different places would tell me about these deep cuts as well. Damn, bro. were you always this diligent on like researching and stuff like that, and and and, and yeah. digging and and then uh, learning about all of this shit? Yeah, for sure. I feel like that's one thing too. I'm always asking DJs from every city, like, what songs do y'all actually know that that go hard, and we'll we'll trade. I might give them all the deep LA or the deep Bay Area uh, cuts, and then they give me whatever they have. So. That's the thing about family too is that everybody came from somewhere <clears> different. <throat> so even though half the DJs were from Florida, maybe even two thirds, we had the homie Torre from Chicago, we had Skills from Chicago, we had um, a couple from Atlanta, we had some from Texas, we had a couple from New York. Stunner came from New York, so it's like we had DJs. Uh, Jay Quick was from Philly, so they all brought their kind of local flavor to Tallahassee too. So is where I would talk to them and just kind of link with them to get those deep records too. I kind of want to know what, what was like at that time going to like an ATL. You said you would drive four hours and you go to Atlanta and you go to these yeah. ATL clubs and you'd have the, the New York hip hop <laughs> downstairs and you had all dirty South upstairs. Yeah. So like, yeah. what was it like? What what was the party scene like? And you know what I'm saying? When, when you were there and how were they spinning oh, yeah. everything? I'm just really curious because yeah. I, so I remember. Yeah. Yeah. I would hear a lot of shit like with like dirty South, like clubs. They'd be like, yo, no one dances. You know what I'm saying? Like no one dance. Like ever, uh, like everyone's just uh, like getting crunk at crunked out. Uh, you know. So, so here, so here's the thing. So, O three, as far as a specific DJ <laughs> style, so it was before Serato, so that they weren't really running through records as fast, of course. But right. So, so what I remember is basically because um, Tallahassee was so close, it was a similar culture. So basically, you had the crunk set where yeah, it'd be 20, 30 minutes of straight crunk. I personally didn't like that set because it was like. I'm only five foot four. Uh, I was probably 110 pounds. I don't feel like being in the middle trying to get elbows. So right. It's like, see, that's what I, I heard. Stand. Right. At that yeah. time, they, like yeah. no one danced. Yeah. And I, th- I heard like yeah. the shorties would hate it because it'd just be a bunch of dudes just like wilding the fuck out, wilding. like almost like doing so, a mosh, mosh pit kind of shit. Yeah. Pit. Yeah. So it, it would be that for a, a good while, but that wasn't the whole night. Okay. You got a good 30 minutes of that, 12, 12, 30. But you got to think in that same era, they still fresh out the Freaknik era. So you still, right. you might not hear a lot of bass, but you might hear like a Lathan Freakit. You might still hear some of those like the Hoochie Mama Luke era. You still hear some of that. And then you would definitely hear all these songs. Because think about Get Low. When I got to my first time, my second time going to Atlanta was 03. The two biggest songs in the whole world were uh, 50 Cent in the club and Get Low. Mm. It was this, this or that. that. That was the biggest club song. So it's like when Get Low came on, I remember everybody finding somebody to hop on. So in that same <laughs> set, you were also here because Chopper Style was probably around that same time too. Yeah. Right. You get a Chopper Style. You would get a um, whatever spinoffs you had of that. You still had like the um, Juvenile was still dropping like the songs after Back That Ass Up that were not as big, but were still like big enough now ying ain't twins of course they were on get low but they still had the salt shaker too short had shake that monkey the same time mm. yeah had, why you twerk what's why you twerk all these songs yeah. were all that same era so you would still get just as long of a set where it's a straight dance and twerk set too so it wasn't like it was all all crunk and then by 0405 you get way more down south that was just different tempos like yeah. 0405 you had everything from like the some cut what it is oh what's up you have that 05 you get all the texas stuff which is like more chill 
like Texas was, was a similar BPM, 69, 75 BPM, but you mm-hmm. had the chunk up the deuce. You had the still tipping. You had the Mike Jones right. um, freestyle type song. So with these songs, you still kind of dancing with a girl. You're not really just like getting getting crunk. And then even like big timers and all that, you had the house real big, everything real big. You mm-hmm. had the, oh, yeah. You had the Lil Wayne shine. You had the mixtape Lil Wayne. So you, you get that little set. You would hear the Wayne on top of Best of Me. So it's like it wasn't just the all crunk all night. It was like you had the balance where you built up to that set. Then when it is crunk, you hear it never, ever. You're hearing Nuck If You Buck. You're hearing the, uh, You Don't Want No Problems. You're hearing the Pastor Troy, vice versa, and No, no More Playing GA. Then you, you would hear it toned down and you would hear the different different styles. But then at the end of the night, you're hearing like the Ubi Nuggins Free. You're hearing the slow, slow lap dance song like Ooh Na Na Na, the album cut from Lil John album. So Ooh. you had that whole diversity. Then the, the East Coast Room, like, like I mentioned all those songs earlier, you had those plus the dance hall was popping in, in 0203. You had the No Letting Go. You had like the kind of soca type songs. The, right. the uh, what is it called? The um, Kevin Littles. Uh, yeah, Kevin Little. Turn me on. Turn me on. Yeah, the Rupee. Yeah, yeah, all those. Yeah, Rupee. Rupee. Yeah. 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 Get to the touch. You had the Sean Pauls. The uh, Give Me yeah. the Light. That's the, all the busy. same era too. Get busy. That's all O two O three too. That's crazy. Yo, do you drink? Because your memory is crazy. Your memory is so good. <laughs> on point, bro. Like, Yo, do you, like, yeah. Do, you, yeah. do you drink at all yeah. or no? I do. I, I actually, I don't, I don't smoke at all. I don't smoke no? ever. But God yeah, I, I sip a little something. But that's one thing about me. I don't know why. I can pinpoint every year, like, whatever song you throw at me from the 90s, I can tell you the exact year, maybe even the month or time of year, the semester. Like, like the last five years, I'm a little bit fuzzier. But when it comes to 90s, 2000s, I can tell you what club I was at when I heard it. That's yeah. crazy. Uh, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of the same way, but by 2010, I'm kind of like fucking. It gets it gets fuzzy, it gets right? Foggy, man. Yeah, yeah, it gets a little bit fuzzy. Yeah. yeah. Never, you have met your match, buddy. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, yeah. Like, this motherfucker <laughs> is good. Like he just rambling on. The thing is, I was in middle school, and high school around the time, so everything yeah. he's saying, I'm like, oh shit, I remember. Yeah. Like, everything like in the school dances and shit like that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty crazy that you remember every song and actually in order that they came out, which is nuts. It's funny, yeah, it's funny because I would like yeah. I, I, I listened and I bought all those records. I have all those on vinyl, like the Pastor Troy wow. and all yeah. of that shit. Mm-hmm. Even like yeah. when when uh when he had like we cut in and all of that. Oh we cutting, yeah. yeah. I was gonna mention that, yeah. And, and then, that, like, that was a single. Yeah. yeah, even like little scrappy, no problems and all of that. I feel yeah. like that was yeah. the last era where we was buying vinyl before yeah. Serato took over. But yeah, Serato came oh oh five, oh six. It was yeah. yeah. I w- but like, yo, like, what can you play that shit like out on the West Coast, like here, even in Vegas? Can you can you still play yeah, that sure. shit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, and, and yeah. the, sorry, in that time, bro, in in the West Coast, the South was running. It shit. was running through. Yeah. Huh? It was. It was it running was. shit. So it was it was yeah. easier to play all those little John B side cuts from the fucking with the East Side Boys and all that shit. So it was easier to play all that shit, like the the shorty lows, everything he's mentioning. Yeah, we played heavy in L.A. I don't know why. Yeah, Below, no limit shit was made. Oh, the limit was huge in L.A. Yeah, huge dipset, sure. huge. But yeah. I don't know what what it was because maybe because we lacked and we didn't have anything back then. But yeah, yeah. everything he's mentioning was popping in L.A. I it feel was, like it was timing. It was timing because yeah. you know, like Snoop and they were getting older. Game was like his own thing. He didn't represent the West Coast heavy. He was still a part of G Unit in a lot of people's eyes. And then, yeah, like I feel like the West Coast just had a void, right? Like it was a crazy void yeah, at yeah. that time. It was basically the way I see it is that when it comes to the West Coast, it was everybody knows we had it popping the most 92 to 96. Pac died, and maybe it was a result of that, whatever it was. By 97, 
like 97 was the the worst year commercially for the West Coast, especially coming after it, that mid-90s. But then we had a lot of local stuff we loved, but at, that was right when the split happened. Then the whole Telecommunications Act happened too. So at that point, it was like Sugar Free and Dub C were the biggest stuff we had in 97, 98, but only L.A. was playing that. But mm-hmm. with L.A. people, we, we liked everything else too. So 98, we loved No Limit. 99, we loved Cash Money. Rough Riders was still big DMX. So by 01... 01 was the West Coast's last strong year as far as L.A. goes. 01, we had a lot of local stuff we loved. Short Shop, we had Snoop. Last Bill was 2000. We had Badass, Wrong Idea. We had all that stuff. Exhibit, Restless was 2000, uh, December. But then by, we had the Wash, end of like like November, October, 01. After mm-hmm. the Wash, L.A. stuff just fell all the way off commercially. So by 02, it's like we had Snoop from the, from the Church to the Palace song. Mm-hmm. We had Dub C, uh, the song um, with Nate Dogg, uh, <laughs> The Streets. But then aside from the that, streets. The Streets was cool. But after that, we had Exhibit uh, Multiply, I think. Yeah. I got a question that, for you. Do you, think, yeah. do you think Snoop going to No Limit made the West Coast pay attention to No Limit more? And like honestly, like- honestly, it didn't because we already liked No Limit, but it just we were hi- we were hype about that. I remember being so happy because yeah. that was the hottest label out. No Limit was like at that time was way before Cash Money got popping. Mm-hmm. Dev Jam, you know, they they weren't labeling that way. No Limit had their own culture, and we we rock with like make them say, "Uh, we love mystical." Mystical, already. yeah, yeah. 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 Silk the Shocker, Silk the Shocker, yeah. So we loved it. I feel like one thing about LA is that. We had the most recent transplants. So New York, a lot of folks have been like generationally in New York as far as black folks go for decades and decades. But L.A., most of our parents, our grandparents came from the South. So we had a lot of strong ties to the South and still East Coast. So for us, the thing about L.A., we love L.A. music, but we still love everything else. It wasn't like like it was secondary. Anywhere else you go, I feel like like the local stuff is all you rock with. But L.A., the parties, the, the radio, you still hear, hear just as much East Coast in the 90s. And even way more down south than West Coast in the 2000s. So with that, the question you asked about playing, where, where can I play those deep south records? Uh, a lot of my spots, a lot of my crowds came from the same area as me. So yeah, yeah. a lot of us went to HBCUs and the ones who didn't, that stuff was so big in L.A. I feel like the down south stuff still works. We had the whole clown dance movement, the whole crumping era, early 2000s. That was all down south music. It was barely any L.A. stuff you, you heard with that. Mm-hmm. The biggest song for crumping was uh, Timbaland Drop. The Fat Man School. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's the biggest song for Crumpton. I forgot about that song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the music, all the music, and you got service from the south of the east coast. Exactly. Yeah. The and only west what... coast you got was Akinyele. Find out. I mean, yeah. not, not, not Akinyele, but uh, AC Alone. AC Alone. Yeah, yeah, that's the only west coast song. That sounded like an east coast song with the sample. Hey, so when you um, went, when yeah. you graduated FAMU and FAMU and you came to, sorry, when you graduated FAMU and you came to LA, right? So you brought all yeah. of this this knowledge and everything to LA. Yeah. And you, was you ready to DJ? What, what was you doing? What, did you get a job? So, like what was, what so was the whole, the whole way my story goes is funny. Like to summarize it, I got back 08 and it was where like, I was, a, a, of course, some folks know me as a producer from like the game area, but overall I thought, okay, I have some connections who do, who promote stuff. I can get back to LA. I'm, I'm going to be doing clubs and stuff. So I was I majored in computer science. When I got back, my primary thing was having a job in IT. Mm-hmm. DJing was more so secondary, supplemental, whatever. But getting back to LA, it took years to really get into the club scene. Cause LA, I didn't realize it's sold up. It's where everybody has the DJs they've been rocking with for years. So yeah. even my own age group, if they went to college in LA, they had DJs they've been rocking with since college, since freshman year. So when right. I get I get there, it's like, who is he? I don't have a following there. 
Hollywood is a whole different side, but with Hollywood, they have DJs who are bringing the celebrity crowds and the models, this and that. Radios, like, everything was locked up, so I had to kind of find my own way. So it was where me having all this knowledge didn't really start serving me for a while, but what I did was that when I was at FAMU uh, back in 05, I created a group called the California, the HBCU California Connection, which was everybody who was from California who went to an HBCU. So everybody kind of linked up from there. By 08, 09, a lot of us that graduated were back in L.A. I flipped it. I said, okay, everybody who's from an HBCU who lives in California, join this group. And then we started doing events. So I, I got with some folks who went to Hampton. By 09, we're doing these beach parties. By 2010, it's like, all right, we're doing these kind of lounge parties. By 2011, 12, it's like, all right, we have a whole crowd of people that went to HBCUs who live in L.A., mainly mm -hmm. in the Valley, but some of us from L.A. too. Now we're doing HBCU parties. By then, that's when I'm starting to do big, big events and big clubs, and it was all HBCU crowds. But that was my only like club stuff, along with some more loungy type events. But it took me a while to just kind of build that crowd up. And when, when I had that happen, that's when I started to take off because it was where people realized, okay, he's playing stuff that only we know from the South. Because everybody who moves here complains like LA DJs only play this and that. Right. And the thing is, we play way more than LA music, but it's just that we play more of the commercial surface level stuff because if, if you weren't in the South, you wouldn't know it. But yeah. me taking this FAMU knowledge, I'm able to, to appeal to everybody. So I'm doing these sets just like FAMU does it. Like FAMU is known for, okay, we in Chicago, so we playing everything in Chicago. We in New York, 15 minutes in New York. We in Louisiana, 10 minutes Louisiana. So everybody who's from there mm. is getting hyped from that moment. So that's the way I, I was able to use that knowledge. And then the more and more I built up in LA, it's like that's what that's what I'm known for now is being able to, to take you wherever I go. And then with LA folks who might think I'm forgetting about them, I purposely shut everybody else out first. I play the down south, the east coast. Then it's like, all right, wait, if you're from LA, you're from Inglewood, Gardena, then I'm going deep cut LA. Then they're like, oh, okay. So it, it all ties together. That's crazy. It's it's so funny because like I when I hear you DJ, I wouldn't think you're an LA DJ. You know what I'm saying? That's what everybody always says. Yeah, yeah, and it, and, and that's why I, I really wanted to ask about you know the HBCU and and FAMU because, and that's how you really um, kind of built up that following as well, right? Like just like yeah. the, with that whole crew because you have a tight knit following and they follow your style of DJing. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's very unique yeah. when I hear you because it's very West Coast, but it's also very like aggressively South as well. So it's like I, I don't really hear many West Coast DJs spinning like that where you sound like a fucking a DJ from the South, but you're yeah. doing it technically with a West Coast in a West Coast style. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Basically, yeah. yeah. Because y'all are DJs, y'all catch that. Because yeah. the funny thing is, whenever I'm... My, my weekly spot is the dime, the dime on Fairfax. But whenever I'm doing stuff in L.A., that's always the main comment. When people from New York come, people from Louisiana, Texas, Atlanta come and hear me, they always... Where you from? You can't be from LA. Yeah, I am from LA. <laughs> really? Because you sound just like they do here and there. But it's like, as you said, somebody who's a DJ can tell. I still have a West Coast style technically when it comes to some of the wordplay. Yeah, some of the, the speed transitions. And to me, LA and New York have some similar styles more so than the South. I feel like when it comes to LA and New York, we are known for that kind of creativity. When it's the looping certain stuff. When it comes to doing certain blends, like. That's kind of an LA-ish, New, New York type deal. To me, New York, of course, is the, is the home of just going fast and cutting through songs. So I will kind of take that style and use it with the South and West Coast songs. Yeah. But it can't always work the same way because you can't cut and the fun off in 10 seconds. You got to let that play. But it's like, but with that, it's where, yeah, there's me, me starting off as a DJ in the South. That's where my whole hearing how they did it, it's like, okay, I'm taking that, that Southern, like, song selection style you know knowing these sets knowing these types of songs but doing it in a west coast type of way and it's 
that's the reason I can really go anywhere in the country and like I can adapt to whatever style that they're doing just by in- inserting whatever new songs are in there or yeah. digging a little bit deep for their throwbacks. I mean, what a blessing it is to have gone to school there, right? And then to have to gone through yeah. that experience and shit and then have it affect you as a DJ and then also kind of have you stand out as a DJ as well. Like just, that those uh those years that you were at FAMU and just going through that shit. It's it's great to hear, man. Like and it really you really do stand out, man, when I hear you. You know, it's like but I, I always wondered. I'm like, I how come that. I don't Yeah, cuz you know, you're so good, but I don't hear like I would I guess the thing that really like kind of confused me. I'm like, yo, this dude is really good. How come he's not in the clubs in LA? And how come I don't know about him? Do you know what I mean? The thing, I, I was the thing really with confused. LA clubs. Yeah, I mean oh. LA clubs. I'm always doing a lot of club events. LA is very, very segmented. LA has is very segmented. Right. I'll even say it's racially segmented as well too. It's where just to be blunt about it, it's yeah. where there's clubs that can be all hip hop, but it's never gonna be a black DJ. If it is a black DJ, it's somebody who's connected, who has the certain plugs they produce for certain people. Mm-hmm. They're at a certain level, so it's like a lot of clubs I do aren't in that Hollywood realm, but at the same time, it's like, I personally don't like doing those clubs either because if you, the thing is, everything you said about my style, that doesn't really match Hollywood clubs. Right, it doesn't. But everything you say about me digging deep down south, going deep New York, throwback LA, whatever it is, throw that out the window. If I'm doing a club in Hollywood, I have to stay surface level. I have to be all the newest trap, the right. trendiest stuff. they rather you go new school that they don't know than old school that they know because the old school is old to them. It's like, that's played out. They want you to always be fast forward, moving. And when I was doing stuff like Playhouse, I remember it, it kind of showed me where I wanted to be at because like Playhouse was seen as the biggest spot five years ago. So I remember my first time uh, being there, the pr- promoters who got me in there were uh, Supreme Team. The ones who were you know, working with them in the group chat were telling them, we don't know who Artistic is. He's, he's a non-factor, this and that. He gonna choke, he gonna mess up. And he was like, nah, Artistic is dope. So I remember doing it that night and really having to adjust uh, my style and really being like, almost too cautious, but like, let me make sure I'm playing the new trendy stuff. And to me, the crowd was not rocking because it's a bottle popping crowd, but they were like, hey, you killed it. And I'm like, I guess, because the videos, they holding bottles up. But the next week I did Grits and Biscuits. Grits and Biscuits is like the, really the biggest premiere party that, that started the whole wave of traveling parties, especially within the black hip hop scene the last 10 years. I did that a week later down the street at the Palladium. This is 3,000 people in a huge venue, and you feel the energy, you feel the, the love, you feel everything, and I'm going way deeper. And I realized Playhouse was not fun to me. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it looked great to have my marquee, my name is on the marquee on Hollywood right. Boulevard. People saw that. People are like, oh, you at Playhouse, you made it. But I'm like, that's not really fun to me. I don't like doing that. I'm not being myself. I'm being so surface level. I'm playing the stuff that's, oh, yeah, of course, Future has bangers, but it's like, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you have to play Mars Madness. You have to play Dreams of Nightmares. You have to play these certain songs to, to get the energy up there versus Grits and Biscuits is where I'm going so deep, booty me down. I'm playing that. Right. That's getting way bigger reaction than anything Future made. So it was like, yeah. So I'm wondering. Yo, did you, did you rock with Supreme Team? Did you work with Supreme Team during like the 2014, 2013 era where like DJ Bad was like. That's a homie, yeah. Yeah, like they were running Supper Club. Were you in that circuit as well? Or? So I basically, I didn't, get, I didn't get with them until 2016. So it was where Bad was the homie who's like, he's like, I can say, if not a mentor, something like a mentor. I'll say he's a little bit older and all that. And he, mm-hmm. uh, I was with the Sarah, funny enough. But uh, yeah. but with that is where um, he was always trying to get me in there. But because of what I was saying earlier, 
my style and just my image didn't appeal to what Hollywood wanted. So it was like, it was always who is artistic. He don't do anything. And it's kind of like the lose-lose of if you're not in the scene, you can't get to the scene. The same way if somebody's trying to get a job, if you don't have experience, you can't gain the experience to get the experience you need. So with that, it was where I couldn't get into that, that scene with them, but I was always going. So I, I studied the style. When I was going to Supper Club with Bad, I was going to Lost Palmas Fridays, Roxbury Thursdays, Greystone Sundays. So I learned everything that they were doing. I learned the music that they were doing, their style, and everything else. So once I was ready for that spot at Playhouse 2016, I knew how to rock with them. But that was my first time getting with them. And I, I still rock with them to, to this day. I did some with Supreme Team a couple days ago. But it's like, even with that, I don't really like doing Hollywood stuff. And one thing about me, as uh, Cricket says, like, people know, like, I, I don't know if I'll call myself pro-black at that level, but I'm still, like, I'm definitely, like, I am black and that's what I am. That's what I represent. I don't like the fact that Hollywood does not like black women. So a lot of these spots that I have done or I've been to even, when I realized that I can't get my own cousin in or, or my homegirls who are who are professional, corporate, make more than anybody else in the club, they can't get in because they're dark-skinned. I don't even care about that scene in, in that way. So wow. that's one reason that I purposely <clears throat> steered away from that from that that lane and it's been better off overall. Yeah. In the beginning, yeah. when you were trying to get into the clubs and radio and all of this stuff, when you moved to, when you moved back to L.A. from uh, FAMU, I mean, yeah. was it was it a struggle to even just enter? Was it just like was it discouraging? You know what I'm saying? Just kind of like trying to enter the scene and then just being like, fucking, let me just start my own shit. You know, obviously, yeah. five, six years later, 10 years later, you're looking back at it now. It's a blessing. But back then yeah, you were yeah. just kind of like frustrated with the scene, kind of like I'm never going to get into this shit or. Like, what, like can you explain that a little? Like, yeah. maybe like how many obstacles or how many hurdles you had to jump uh, to even just get your foot in the door and just not even or not even get your foot in the door. You know what I'm saying? It was complicated. I mean, the thing is, as I was saying, I remember my last time being on FAMU campus um, as an undergrad in 08. I remember telling the crowd like, yeah, so I'll be back in L.A. Uh, this summer. I'm moving back. So if you come to L.A. for BET Awards, come holler at me. I'll be DJing something. That was me just trying to speak it into existence. I got yeah, to yeah. L.A. I ain't, I ain't done no BET stuff <laughs> five, six more years. It was That was just me thinking it would be that easy. And I realized, all right, it's going to be a little while. And it was like, the funny thing is, the first club stuff I was doing was the older crowd because I ended up linking up with them. And they appreciated my style because I was always kind of an old head when it came to the music. So right. I was doing the 35 and up stuff when I was 24, 25. And it was like... It was a cool scene at the time, and my friends would come to it. They enjoyed it enough, but after a while, it's like, all right, I'm trying to get you know more stuff that's my age group. It doesn't have to be Hollywood, Hollywood, but it was definitely a frustrating era in a sense because it was like, it was where it felt like I was doing cool, decent stuff, but it just wasn't at that level. I was doing, of course, house parties, backyard parties, and those were always fun, but it just right. wasn't at that type of level. And then, uh, surprisingly, the most frustrating years weren't 08, 09, because those were just... I was happy to be doing whatever I was doing. I'm happy to be in this at, at this little bar. I'm happy to be at this house party. It got frustrating five, six years later, 2014, 15, and 16, when it mm. was like, like I'm realizing, okay, I've been doing this for five, six, seven years, and I'm still like, I'm doing decent, cool stuff, but it's just not really like right. getting to that level. Because I mean, the thing is, like, as far as I mean, LA has so many lanes. I didn't do a lot of club stuff, but. As far as big stuff, I did Pay Dude 2013. I did Rock the Bell 2011 as a stage DJ. I won the Flavor Battle 2014. So I had a lot of stuff that looked big in a certain way. Right. But to show how much that didn't matter to some people, 
I remember talking to a publicist back in 2014, and she was like, but you don't do any club stuff. Like, the clubs you mentioned, you do all these little small hole-in-the-wall clubs. She said that without saying it. And she was like, if you want to be in the Hollywood club, sing Holler at Mark the Spot, he'll probably have you open for free. And I'm like, first of all, Mark the Spot is a homie. Second of all, I ain't doing nothing free. I don't care. I don't, I don't need that scene. I'm still I'm good enough where I'm at. But it got frustrating in that era because I remember 2015, like, it was one of those movie movie scenes. A club I was doing was called um, Cosmo. So was right next to a club called Project LA on Hollywood Boulevard. I remember parking. I walk up. It's Friday night. I walk up in the line. It's it's long as hell. I'm like, all right, it's gonna be popping. I walk, I walk, I walk, and I'm like, oh wait, that's for Project. I'm at Cosmo. I get the Cosmo. It's empty. Oh, I'm man. realizing that that this whole night, everybody texts me, hey, the line is long. Oh wait, never mind, it's not. And they come inside, <laughs> and it's like Cosmo. <laughs> Cosmo is trash that night. Project next door is popping. It's one of those things where I realize like. The clash and just the difference of where I'm at versus where somebody else is at next door. Right. And then when I go to the project on the off night, I'm like, the DJ here is whack. But it's like they're in that scene. That's all that matters. So it's right. like those years are kind of frustrating. So yeah. so what what kept what kept you kind of going there? Like you know what I'm saying? Like what what kept motivating you to keep doing the shit and, and get keep going? And and then what was the yeah. turning point? What do you think was the turning point for you? I feel like it was because every year I, I would do certain big enough stuff that made me feel like, okay, like I'm I'm still in there for the right reason. I had a pretty strong online following. I still would get stuck right. out of town. It's just it wasn't as high profile. It wasn't as high paying. But for me, I guess because I was never really into it for I, – I never really cared about doing the biggest stuff. I didn't really have to be at the most known Hollywood or Vegas type club. It was like as long as I'm rocking with crowds that I enjoy. And plus the main thing is – it was still supplemental. I didn't really fully, fully quit my job until 2018. I did quit 2014 for Wait, like what, nine what were months. You doing? What were you doing? I was working software engineering and IT. Oh, so shit. it was like DJing was always more so it's a fun outlet. I enjoy doing this on the side. It's supplemental. If I can make an extra 20, 30, 40K doing that and I have a regular job, I'm good with that. Wow. But it's like, but by 2018, that's when it really, I would say that was a turning point because that's when I was really starting to do a lot, a lot of stuff with Issa. So like that, that first like month, I did her birthday party. Then I did like a party with, um, I think it was with Lena Waithe actually uh, at Sundance. So it was this back to back stuff early you talk, 2018. You, you're talking about Issa Rae with uh, Insecure, right? Yeah. Well, how, how did you link yeah. up with her? Because at some point I started telling like when I would tell, uh, I would, we had like road podcast meetings, right? Yeah. I'd be like, yo, we got to get artistic on. He, he's like, yeah. he's like Insecure's DJ or something. Like, he's the official DJ for Insecure. Like, so I would yeah. see with yeah. Issa Rae all the time, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, how's he tapped in like into Issa Rae and like Black Hollywood? He's in, he's in that whole circle, you know. And then even yeah. more, even more recently, I see you doing more events. You know, you're you're wearing more tuxedos. You're wearing more suits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Hang, yeah. Hanging out with Puff Daddy and shit. I know you're hanging yeah. out with. You're doing the yeah. Diddy party. I was like, oh, he's doing the Diddy yeah. party. I'm like, yo, I like yeah. because it's it's crazy. Like you know, you you see motherfuckers like before the pandemic, and then you see motherfuckers after the pandemic, and yeah. it it just seemed like after the pandemic, you just kind of really, really, you just really started flourishing. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah. I started seeing you really, really shine, and I was like. You know what, like, I, I like it because it looks like, it, it really seems like you put in the work and hearing, after hearing what you've been telling us, you really did yeah. put in the work and you were like, and you stuck to your guns, you know what I'm saying? And and I'm sure it must have been hard too in the 2018, 
eight, nine, ten is when EDM was popping everywhere, and you're still, you know, what I'm saying. Yeah, people told me I had to play EDM to, to, to be a big DJ, and I'm like, I don't like. Yeah, it. I was going to ask you about that because I feel like you moved back in 08 right when that wave <laughs> yeah, took yeah. off. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, <laughs> and people told me like, yeah, if you want to be a big DJ, you got to learn how to play EDM. So I learned enough to play like. A thirty-minute set, but I'm like, I'm never gonna be an EDM DJ because that's not why I DJ. So it's, it, like, it's so yeah. it's so funny because we've had guests come on the road podcast and they tell us like LA DJs, yeah. like, and they're like, oh my, the the best epic years of LA nightlife is like seven, oh eight, nine, <laughs> and then here you're like, oh man, it was like I was struggling back then. I was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're yeah. like, yo, but now yeah. it's like it it's really kind of like it it's all happening like almost like at the right time right now right because i feel like yeah, yeah i feel like the nightclub scene and even the way nightlife is that like your style of djing right now it stands out so much but it's also just it's so perfect for the time right now because mm. everyone's so appreciative of uh nostalgic music from the 2000s That's true. and yeah. the 90s you know what i'm saying so it's like sure. it's like sure. everything came full circle and then, and then you've been <clears throat> and you've been you've been honing that style and you've been um you know, faithful to that style for 10 plus years in LA yeah. and, and and building it and building this and building this following that it seems like it seems perfect. But uh, I, I want to so. see how yeah. you linked yeah. up with uh, Issa Rae and all that, because I was like, that's like yeah. a perfect marriage for you right now. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I'll say this. So basically the thing with me and Issa is that uh, we met 2014, but it's like when we met, it was it was a case of just like with D Miles, same exact thing. The high school I was supposed to go to was her high school, King Drew. I was supposed to go there, and we're only a month apart, so we would have been a year apart as far as grades go. But we know all the same exact people. So 2014, she was having a, a 90s party, as you said, nostalgia, a 90s party back then. And her publicist is one of those things. Her publicist went to Spelman for a semester with my uh, manager, now lady. And then it was just kind of like, okay, uh, can we get Ron uh, to DJ this 90s party? So the thing with Issa is that a lot of folks do kind of wonder, like, how is it that he's the main DJ? But it's like, she had a lot of different DJs who she used within those years from 2013 to, like, 16. I, I worked with her at one time, 14. And then 2016, a lot of my homies even uh, rock with her. Like, Behan rocked with her a couple times. Um, you know, a lot of homies did uh, work with her. And then it was uh, even DJ... Uh, DJ uh, B as well. That was like one of her main ones. And then for, for whatever reason, for the Insecure premiere 2016, I remember the rap party B did, but the premiere 2016, they got me for that. And with that, I was like, all right, let me just go in here and just kill hard as I can. And the thing about, as, as we've said before, me being the same exact age as her, me being LA, I'm not just going to go in there. Okay, it's HBO. Let me be surface Hollywood. I'm like, it's her. It's our crowd. I know half the people here from we we from LA, we all mid 80s babies. I'm playing LA music. I'm playing Ain't No Fun. I'm playing Short Shop. I'm playing the the um East Side as I love it. I'm playing a little um, clown dance set. I'm playing Whistle While You Twerk sped up 20 BPM without the uh key lock so it sounds like it's 2002. I'm playing uh Timberland Drop. I'm hyping them up to make them feel like they back at a backyard party with Tommy the Clown. And from there, she was just like, Yeah, it's that's it. So Cookie, from there, Cookie, yeah. Cookie, do you know who Tommy the Clown is? No, who, who is that? What is that? <laughs> You know who Tight Eyes is? Tight Eyes, yeah, yeah. Yo, Tommy the Clown was the epic, yeah. like, he would come do kids' birthday parties. He would dress up like a clown. He would have a crew with him, and they would just crumb dance. They would do face yeah. paintings. Yeah. My, my my cousin, rest in peace, man, when his his, his uh, second birthday party was with Tommy the Clown in Inglewood. I think yeah, Tommy, yeah. The Clown is a, Tommy the Clown is an L.A. legend. I think yeah. I've seen that or something. Like, they, he would be doing all the new dances and shit, right? Yeah. Pretty much? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. L.A. legend, man. That's crazy. Tommy so the Clown. Coaster. 
It's I a know. whole culture. Yeah. Artistic, yeah. artistic. You say Tommy the Clown, like everyone should know who the fuck that is. I like it. <laughs> Y'all shit. Everybody should Y'all know shit. who Tommy the Clown is. <laughs> Meanwhile, he, he, had, first. He, <laughs> he had a full documentary of Sundance and shit, and it was it was it was high rated. It was really good. Crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. Yo, I love it, man. I I really loved. I love the story. And wait, so like. So she started blowing up and she just started hitting you up to do all the events pretty that was much. The thing. It was like, it was just perfect timing because that's right when she was taking off. Like, that's right when she had the billboards all throughout the city for Insecure Season 1. And from there, the fact that I was able to link right at that moment and be solidified from there. Yeah. 2018, it's her birthday party, so I'm doing that. Then it's like, this year was her wedding, I'm doing that. It's like the uh, Insecure Fest, like the, the launch premiere type uh, premiere party for, for the final season. I did that. So it was just like... That's one thing about me is where it took me a while to get in certain positions, but whenever I was there, it was like, I have to make sure to kill. I feel like a lot of times, especially in LA, we know it. Like Y'all know it. It could be so image-based, so it's more so about how you look, what you look like, who you know, who you connected to. But it's like, even with that, that's not always enough. So it's like, with me, I took whatever whatever parts I could of the who you know and had to say, if I'm going to do it, I have to kill. It's, it's never going to be a surface-level type event because... It is where people always tell me, I went to this event, I went to this event, the DJ, I heard he got paid 4000 2000 but it should have been you, you better. And I'm like, that's not how LA works. It's not about how good you are every time. Mm-hmm. But when you're in that position, it, it can be about that because people might hire somebody, but if they don't really care, you might get forgotten about. Because when it's based off of image and everything, it's always somebody with a newer image than you, with, with a fresher image than you, somebody who's younger, somebody who's hotter who has a bigger Instagram Instagram following. But for me, I'm like, let me actually be the type that's good at what I do, who actually learns these crowds, who can still adapt. So as much as I'm, I'm big on nostalgia, I'm just as big on keeping up with new music. Let me make sure I know whatever is new and let me know how much to play, how new I can go. I can't go too new with every crowd because if they're 30 and up, they ain't trying to hear all the newest Polo G and Lil TJ. But it's like, if I do have a young crowd, let me learn and adjust. I can't go too deep 90s because they were born in 95. Right. I can't play too much from 92 if they were born in 95. So I have to learn each and every crowd like that. I, I love that you approach everything like a student. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, you're, where you're consistently learning and you're, and you're really, it's really like the, the music is the star. And you're just kind of like, you're always focusing on showcasing the music the right way. And I really, yeah. really love that. Uh, and the way you speak about it. And. And your diligence on the research and just, or you know, like it's really impressive, man. You know, I appreciate that. With yeah. you bringing up Hollywood and you know, with the DJs, you know, it's not all about if you're a good DJ. You know, it's sometimes about you know, it's about relationships. It's about you know, uh, you know, who's popping right now and all of this shit. It's funny yeah. because I was I was talking with Cipher Sounds. You know, Cipher Sounds from New yeah, York, sure. right? He's yeah. he's in the comedy circuit now. He's he's actually. I just okay. recently saw him uh, did stand up in Vegas and we we were talking afterwards and I was asking him I said what's the difference between like a east coast comic and a west coast comic can you can you spot the difference cuz you could spot him in the DJs and then he said something really interesting to me that I thought I was like oh wow like he was like in east coast they they just kind of like they just doing the raw ass comedy that's pretty much all they they're like focusing on the comedy pretty much stand up yeah. and comedy and he says the West Coast comics, they got that Hollywood element in the city, right? In L.A. So because there's the Hollywood element, the comedians aren't necessarily focusing on just being a good comic. So they're like incorporating acting into their stand up, you know, like their following is important. Um, and uh, and um, it's like all these other elements that come into play in the West Coast comic. He's like. They're doing more accents. 
There's like, you know, mm. there, there could be a scout in, in the show so they could get casted <laughs> for a commercial or they could get casted for something. Wow. So it's like, it's not just raw comedy. So he's saying like, it's very different. Sometimes it's just not about being funny. It's just it's about being like showing, showcasing your talent and just being like noticeable or good looking or like, there's all these other factors that come into it. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, like a lot of what you were saying is it's kind of similar in in a way that Hollywood is just such like, I guess Hollywood is just like, you know, such a large element of L.A. So that it, it just is. affects it just affects pretty much almost anything like any industry, even the nightlife and even the DJs. Right. Oh, for sure. And I mean, it, that's the thing about it. I mean, I feel like it's where, of course, we've had different ways where, where it might be hard to be a celebrity DJ, this and that. But. I think that's kind of passed to an extent, but it's still a big thing. But overall, it is where, and I mean, I, I get it. I, I don't care for it, of course, but I, I understand it because a lot of times when it's these Hollywood events where it's like, it's really background noise a lot of times. Even some of these clubs, to me, it's not really a focus on the music. It's more so, it's those five songs they want to hear. So when those five songs come out, come on for 10 right. seconds, phone down, I'm back drinking, I'm back networking. I know LA was different back in 2009, I was doing a party for uh, the group that actually ended up doing some big parties called Toxic, and that's the homies, but I remember, I mean, we could talk about it, it's 12 years ago, whatever, so I remember doing this party, and it was like, it was kind of our age group, but they started slowly moving to that Hollywood element, and I remember um, my boy Quest, Quest Coast was one of the ones who's the same age as me, he was bigger than me, way before me, especially Inglewood and all that, and he he always was like, you know, helping me get on, so one night I rode with him, he was DJing this party for them, it was, I forget what club it was, but it was on Hollywood Boulevard. It wasn't a big name yet, but it was one of those those kind of like moderate clubs, cool crowd, early, mid-20s. And he, he was just like, I'm just not feeling it tonight. Just hop on for me if you can, whatever. I hop on, so I'm looking at the crowd. I'm like, all right, they all LA, they 25. It's, it's that jerking era. So I'm going to go kind of jerking ratchet era. I put that on, the crowd gets hyped. They dancing, they dancing, whatever else. The promoter comes up and tells me, hey, you know, tonight we're not doing that dancing shit. So, you know, cut that off and put on some, you know, we got some celebrities coming through. We ain't trying to have all that dancing shit tonight. And I'm like, <laughs> hey, what does that even mean? That dancing shit. Like, you don't want them to dance? And that's when I realized this is different because he said it's a celebrity crowd. It's more so they don't want the, it started to make sense. Like, they don't want the celeb to come in. And I guess that looks kind of ratchet or hood or raggedy or too young for them if they come in and they're doing jerking dances. So they want it to be more of a cool vibe. So, a lot of times in Hollywood, they rather the crowd not dance than to be dancing, and it looks rash and raggedy. Because even my first time at Playhouse, I'm looking at the crowd like they're not really moving nothing. I'm from the south. Uh, as a DJ, you know, I'm LA, but I'm FAMU. So what, what do we do? Back that ass up. I, I, put that on. The I, girls finally get up. They twerking. Stage manager within ten seconds. Hey, bro, cut this song short. <laughs> was was like, black or white? He's black. He's from. Here's the funny thing. He's from the south. But wow. he's in this element, and that's his job now is to keep this crowd looking sexy, to look have a certain image wow. to it. Because it's like, and that's the thing, I've heard people talk. People will talk that way. They go to certain clubs, that's the ratchet club. This is the more refined, and this is the more upscale. And this ratchet club is not really ratchet. This ratchet crowd is more educated than this crowd. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with some of my events. Some of my events, people might call some of my stuff ratchet because they twerking and they this and that. But these people got law degrees. Like my lawyer homegirls get way more ratchet than these model chicks do. Yeah, yeah. These model chicks is five to an apartment. I mean, <laughs> yeah. let's be real about it. Let's be real about it. Let's be cool. honest. I, yeah. It's not easy DJing at a Hollywood club because you're not getting you're giving, but you're not getting back. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I've, I've been out like recently I went to a party and it's like 
I'm not gonna put give the name, but it's like yeah. the biggest party right now in LA. You know, okay. and Jamie, you could bleep this out. It's it's um Oh so wait, wait. I've been twice the last month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so talk about it. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> yes. And yes. The, the the thing is the DJ there is is, is doing a great job. He's doing a really yeah. great job and he's trying to and he's reading the room and I was hanging out with him and I'm like, yo, you're doing a good a great job. And there's uh-huh. there's just no give back from the crowd. And the crowd, it's just like I was like, yo, I I was thinking the whole time, like, I would be killing myself right now if I was looking at this crowd. And you know what I'm saying? Like I was just like, this is like this has gotta be and I and I hate to say it. I was like Everyone's saying this is the best party in LA and this has got to be the worst fucking crowd I've ever like had I've ever seen at a, par- at, at I mean, a party. I mean, you know what I'm like Here's the thing like I I'm at the point now honestly where I ain't got to call names but if you know what I'm talking about you know what I'm talking about. The promoter at that party is somebody who likes our music, he likes elements of our culture but he don't like us. I'm gonna say that first of all. Mm. And I'm also say that that crowd, I mean cuz I've been there a couple times the last few months. My homie did it one time. Yeah, two of the homies did it. So, I mean, it's always people who I know, as you said, who rock, who are dope. But it's like, with that type of crowd, just like, as I said, it's a big social event where the music is the background. It's background music. It's secondary. The star of the show is the celebrities. When so-and-so comes in, if so-and-so comes in, oh, and so-and-so came tonight. If so-and-so was alive, he would be here too, probably. So, it's that type of vibe. So, right. it's like, when, you, when you're there, that's the star of the show. The music is secondary. So, if they hear a song they like... I'm gonna sing along in my little thing and I'm a vibe, but it's like they're not going there to be hyped. But as that's the issue with LA is that just like with food and everything else, we, we have those debates all the time. It's like people come to LA for that. People come to LA because that's what's biggest. That's what gets shout out on rap songs. Like soon as soon as Drake said Greystone, 20 bottles, that's on me back on Pop That, Greystone's already big, so now it's even bigger. So they only shout these clubs out. So when you come to LA, people from the South, people from Atlanta, from DC, from New York. Chicago come, oh, I'm in LA, I have to go to Blank. I have to go to Blank. That's what Drake said. That's what Future said. They get there. If they're a black woman, they probably don't get in. That's a bad taste in their wow, mouth. If they do get in and they see what it is, they're like, is this supposed to be popping? It's like they might be able to brag to their friends, yeah, I saw Drake there, I saw Future, but they always say LA scene is whack. Then they say LA DJs are whack because the crowd's not doing nothing. But it's like, it's so many other parties here that we are shaking some. There's actually DJs where the crowd is engaged and rocking with it. But these same folks don't like that crowd because it's not sexy. It's the same way I said with food. People want to go to a rooftop in Beverly Hills to get down South Alabama home cooking. It's the same for LA. Yeah. So going back to what Crooked said about yeah. the Hollywood element, do you think that's yeah. true in the sense of like how these clubs are being played? Because it's, it's just like... Yeah. You really are like the soundtrack, but it's just background noise. Yeah. It's so many like conversations going on in politics yeah. and no one's even really paying attention to the music. Well, and I mean, and that's, that's the thing I, I can say. It's like on the flip side, I can say that people are not really going there to party and sweat. Yeah. They're going there for those connections. They're going there to meet people. Chicks are trying to get shows by some people. Some chicks are trying to get shows. Some chicks are trying to make, you know, genuine connections for their career. But overall, nobody is there to party. That's exactly what I noticed. Like everyone yeah. has an agenda. Like, yeah. but, but it's yeah. like career related. So it's like, yeah. and there's the desperation. There's like an energy of desperation of like, am I at the right table? Like, is there someone I'm not yeah. talking to? Like, yeah. I remember like I was leaving with my, with my homie and, and we like, we knew like the, the manager and shit. We had like a, a stack of drink tickets. So yeah. I was like, let me just hand them out to like just random motherfuckers. Like, you know what I'm saying? 
So I was like giving drink. T- I was trying to give drink tickets away. But everyone's looking at me first like, wait, who are you? And then I'm like, yo, I'm leaving. Do you want these drink tickets? And they would just snatch him and run away. Like, it was like a weird energy. <laughs> they would just snatch yeah. him and run away. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know. It was just weird. Like, <laughs> like what's happening? You know, like, like, like they yeah. were, they were like, you know, like homeless kids on the street. They just didn't trust <laughs> nobody. But they were like, all right, I will, we'll take right. that. And they just ran away. And I'm like, wow, like, <laughs> it's a weird energy in here. Like. You know, yeah. and then I was, I remember I was in the bathroom. Yeah. There was these girls and they were just like, yo, like, do I look approachable? And I'm like, excuse me? And they're like, do I look approachable? Like, look at me. Do I look approachable? And I'm like, yeah, I, like, yeah. Why, like, why not? And then she's like talking with her friends. She's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm just like, yo, what the fuck? It was just like a weird energy. I just was like, what, what like, who are these people? You know, like. It was like a desperation, <laughs> like you know what I'm like, like, I, like it was like it was, with the with the with like these girls who were just snatching the drink tickets and running away. It was like, like the, like a hunger and then like a desperation. Like, am I approachable? Like, I was just like, yo, and that was it. That's know? all she said was, <laughs> she was like, I am okay. And that was it. It was no conversation. I mean, I walked that. away because I was just like, I didn't want to continue this <laughs> conversation. Happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, hey, I, Kirk, yeah, hey Kirk, welcome to Hollywood, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, here's the funny <laughs> he, he, thing. Here's the, here's he the funny it. thing. I've had a couple of New York motherfuckers at this party, right? Now they call this party a Black Hollywood party. Mm-hmm. Would you would you call that a Black Hollywood party? I mean, so here's the thing: uh, y'all could probably, uh, of course, D Miles, Jamie probably can tell you this. Yeah, Black Hollywood. So it's to me, I see two t- two totally different definitions. I'm gonna say three. So there's three different types of a Black Hollywood to me. There's the Black Hollywood club scene. There's the Black Hollywood like mansion party, private party scene. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Black Hollywood industry event scene. And I've seen all three. I've been to all three. The yeah. club scene is, as you said, anything that's a club club, that's, that could be like the, the Greystones. That could be anything that's usually hip hop music. Funny thing is with, with these, whenever you call it a Black Hollywood club, it usually means 70% black men, 30% black women. That's usually how, how it is. And then the rest is all kind of mixed because it's like it's usually more white and Asian and Hispanic girls and black girls at, at these clubs. Then you have the black mansion scene where it's like everybody in LA knows about Jamie Foxx house parties. They used to talk about Tyrese house parties. Yeah. Whoever else had those mansion parties. Pleasure that's P. The ones. Pleasure P. Yeah, Pleasure P. That's the yeah, Pleasure right P had some yeah. dope ones. I can't lie to you. That's the homie. They had like yeah, stripper yeah. in one fucking floor and then a DJ. It was crazy. <laughs> yep, yep. It was crazy. Those Pleasure types, like crazy. even Diddy Party. So that's that's the ones where that's the whole scene. It's a lot overlap. Who's this club. guy? Who's this? Pleasure P. P. Yeah. He was a Pretty Ricky. Um, Pretty, Pretty Ricky, Ricky. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yo, he had yeah. some shit yeah. going on in 2009. It was crazy. Jamie, you sound yeah. like you did some yeah. nasty shit over there. No, I was he did. He did. Shit. <laughs> he was there. Yo, he was there. Them, bro, yeah. it was insane. That stripper yeah. section was nuts. Yeah. I was 18 at the time. What do you? Oh, you was what? young too. I was oh, young. Man. I was. I was running a muck. Pleasure from Florida, so it's like Florida just knows how to how to act up. So. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like yeah, yeah. That scene where but it's like you, you, yeah, you kind of don't have that anymore. Kind of, sorta, right? Not really. Like you probably have. It, like that time, it was like Jamie Foxx was having a party, and then yeah. or or yeah, fucking Sh- Shamar Moore would have Shamar parties. Shamar Moore yeah. had. Okay, Fox I missed that era. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was around the same era. Beatless Black Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, but, but those mansion parties don't wait, happen wait, wait, a wait. lot. Anymore. Are you saying the the mansion parties on B list though? Right? It's not right. Nah, there was some A-list motherfuckers. Oh, yeah. A-list, A-list was there. A-list, okay. Yeah. 
I would say LS types because, of course, the Diddy ones, like, it's weird. Yeah. Those type parties, as long as there's a B-lister hosting it, the A-listers might show up. <laughs> if it's a C-lister hosting it, a B-lister might show up. Maybe an A-lister if they connected directly to them. Yeah. Because that, then you have the industry ones. So the ones I do more so, like, the ones that'll be for a, a black show, like a, a Netflix has their black events, like, right. insecure mm-hmm. type parties. So to me, they're all different, but they have little overlaps. That's yeah. see, see, that's the... That's the more uh, that's a that's a secure bag over there. That's oh, a secure yeah. bag. Industry wants a secure bag. I ain't got to chase no promoter down for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever. You get you get yeah. paid well at those industry exactly. like yeah. Hollywood parties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so those are the three yeah. parties. So this party yeah. that I'm talking about that would be considered a Black Hollywood party. Yeah, yeah, it was the club, the club lane. Yeah, that's the, the club lane. It depends though, because I, when I think about Black Hollywood party. I think about sincere show. Yeah, I think about Miss Diddy. I mean, even as I was saying, Black Hollywood has different types of Black Hollywood, even within the club scene. Because to me, Supreme Team has more of an actual Black crowd, even though it's mm-hmm. still seen as a Black Hollywood. While Blank Blank Blank, that is Black promoters, but it's not as many Black folks there. This yeah, one here yeah. is not Black promoters, but it's still half the guys there are Black, and there's Black celebrities there, but it's still all hip hop. So it's it's still segmented, even within the Black Hollywood club scene. But it's still like yeah, still kind of a lot of overlap. So even like Sincere Show, I've, I've rocked with him probably seven, eight times. So like Jay Murphy is a homie. So it's still where it's a lot of those, a lot of overlap with that type of scene. Uh, mm-hmm. as, 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 Sincere Show, man. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. I, I, was just saying, I was just thinking about early days of Sincere Show. He was like- He was a this, hustler, yeah. He was a hustler, bro. Like his yeah. motherfucker was putting on literally a show and every party he was, he, he would walk in, he made it look like it was a spot to be. <laughs> Yeah, and then he was an MC, so he's just you know he, he's projecting his voice all across the room. But yeah. I remember the early times when I did uh, when I did meet Sincere Show, he, it was definitely like he made it feel like Black Hollywood. That room was like the biggest room in, in all of Hollywood. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Oh shit, Supper Club era, Supper Club, Supper Club era. Where's he from? Supper Club, Las Chicago. Palmas, Chicago, Las Palmas. Yeah. Yeah. Fridays. Yeah, he, he from Chicago. He um. And he was young when he got out here. He told me how he got established and how he was just one of those finesse kings who just know how to, I'm going to tell the promoter this, I'm going to tell the model chick this, I'm going to tell <coughs> Rihanna this, and I'm going to just bring them all together and like it will work out. So He was on 11, I think he was 11 hip hop, Hollywood yeah. and shit like that. So yeah, yeah he he's, he's he, yeah, he's a hustler, man. He got in it somehow. Yeah. And like, like he said, finesse his way in. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so where you are in your career right now, how, how do you feel about it, artistic? Like, in, in retrospect, I, you know, you know, like looking at where you are right now, and also looking at the year that we just went through, and you know, and, and during that year, you were on Twitch, you were doing an amazing yeah. job on Twitch, and you're still on Twitch Appreciate once in that. a while. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, looking back on kind of the last ten years or so, do you do you are you, do you feel you're in the right place that that you should be right now? And then. Uh, the second part of that question is, was there, like, you know, when I asked you, is there a DJ that you look up to or that you meant or that, you know, you kind of want to model your career after? The only reason why yeah. I asked you that, I yeah. asked you that in the beginning is because I feel like there is no one like you. There is no, like, uh-huh. bigger DJ like you. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So I get it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of wondering where do you think you are in your career and then if you know, your outlook is what you thought it would be or is it surpassed it or is it just a completely different role that you never thought you'd be on, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit heavy, but yeah, I feel like... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, it's, no, no, it's, a real, it's a real one. It's a real yeah. one. I mean, 
I appreciate the question. I feel like I'm definitely, I don't even know which part to answer first. I'll just say that I'm definitely way further than I would have imagined to be. Right. I remember back in 2012, 13, when I first started doing stuff, like I had Paid Dudes Festival, my my mix the timeline got a lot of love, especially on the West Coast. And then I was with BZ the Chicago Kid, out with him like in South by Southwest. And I remember like taking off a lot of days from work. And I remember at that point saying, if I could ever make like, hundred K off DJing, maybe I, you know, yeah, you like quit your job, it's right? Like a quit type yeah. thing, and it's like I ended up quitting way before I got anywhere close to that because it was just like holding me back. But it still sounded like such a lofty goal. Like I'm never ever ever gonna make that as just like hypothetically because at this point I'm making ten or twelve K a year. So it's like I'll say that where I got now is way further than I would have ever ever expected to get, and it's been in so many different ways and lanes. I feel like. Overall, I'm definitely comfortable with where I am. Like, I'm not really concerned about any spaces that I'm not in. Overall, like, people always ask me, like, you don't want to be at Coachella, this, this, and that. And I'm like, that would be dope if I could be, like, a headliner at Coachella as a DJ, bringing artists up to perform, but mm -hmm. I don't have to be that. It's like, for me, I look at my, at my current trajectory and say, like, I want to be able to expand a little bit beyond DJing, but not in a traditional way. So to answer that question, when you ask me who do I model it after, Really nobody because it's like I feel like my skill set and my knowledge base is different where I want to be somewhat of like a Michael Eric Dyson hybrid as a DJ where like in 15, 20 years, you might not hear me every week. I might be DJing once every two, three months, and it's a big deal because I'm only out two, every two or three months. But you're seeing me interviewed for, for Unsung and on these different shows. or I, I'm talking about music history because I was there in the 90s, 2000s, which by then will be... 40, 50 years ago. So it's like, I'm able to look back and say, I remember back when the, the day Tupac died, I was coming home playing Crash Bandicoot type deal. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to be that type of historian where I'm able to like, like do that along with being a professor where I can even either teach music, rap, R&B history, or just the art of DJing. And I want it to be where I'm the type that seems kind of like the, the DJ scholar more so than just about the turn up king only, where it's like, I'm only known for parties. But at the same time, I do want, want to continue to be the one who can kind of go wherever you throw me at. I can figure out that crowd and I can adapt to them. And um, one thing I always kind of call myself is like urban open format, where I think I'm not going to say I'm the king of that, but I feel like there's not really that many other DJs who know every region's music at the same level from each generation. A couple, a couple of my homies can definitely do it. Like yeah. mainly HBCU ones like Wally Sparks can definitely do that. There's a couple other ones who I rock with who can definitely go deep wherever it is, but I want to be able to continuously build on that where wherever you throw me at, like I can I can go to a hood club in Memphis or in wherever it is and know their music where they're like, how does he even know that? So yeah, yeah. I want to continue on that on that path, but overall I just want to continue to like get, you know, bigger, still bigger events, bigger as a whole, but I'm not really pressed on doing anything outside of that specific lane. Like I'm not really concerned about being like like crossing over in that sense, I would say. Yeah. No, I I want to I want to ask him real quick, Kirk, that he said that he wanted to be like a teacher, historian, stuff like that. Yeah. Now that I look back, his Twitter mixes that he does like these mashups where he puts the best of all three together. Yeah. It does sound like he's putting a history lesson together. Mm -hmm. Like he's teaching you what came out at what time and he's mashing it together. And it's more like an educational mix, if that even makes sense, more than just like just putting a bunch of songs together, tricks by tricks and, through, yeah. you know, the, the Red Bull three style bullshit. It's, <laughs> it's bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit, yeah. but you know what I, I mean? Get, I get it though. But yeah. it's more like yeah. you educating people in a musical aspect 
on what came out. And you even wear the jersey sometimes or whatever you be doing. But now yeah, that you've mentioned yeah. that, I think, shit, you're like the historian professor DJ, if you may. I just wanted to say sure. that. For sure. I mean, you, you, you hit it spot on. Like, even when I did the ones for the 90s, and it's funny how, like, I'm going to tie it back into what Cricket said earlier. So I had the whole thing where I had a, a mix for each year in the 90s, and like you said, I'm making sure that there's no anachronisms. It's like, if it's 91, I'm putting on a jersey and a hat that was not released until that year or, or, or earlier. Like, I'm never going to have on a Shaq jersey in 91 because he didn't get there in 92. So it's like, I'm making sure each year matches up with that. But then musically, and even with that, like, it's tricky because I ain't really start listening until the 92, 93. So it's certain songs that I heard later, and I have to make sure this song really did come out in 94 because I might have heard it in 97. Or even if you Google sometimes, it might tell you a song is older than it really is. So I have to make sure that that's all accurate. But all, all that to say that when I made those mixes, like, they got some love the first time when I put them out three years ago, but stuff comes around, and it's crazy how cyclical it is because, like, I remember the 96, when I did the video for 96, I only got maybe 400, 500 retweets back three, three years ago. And then this year I put it out and like Cricket said about people being more hype about nostalgia, I just rebranded the, the same exact mix was just like, these songs are all 25 years old now. Now I got 8,000 retweets. Yeah, yeah. And this is crazy how the same exact mix can get way more love based on the captioner, based on the moment that you're capturing. And I have so many historical mixes that even with Jerkin, Jerkin got big out of nowhere on TikTok a week or two ago. Right. I had a Jerkin mix I did last summer when nobody was even thinking about Jerkin. So mm -hmm. it's like, all right, let me, oh, you're back on Jerkin? I got this video ready for you. So it's like, let me just continuously build, build and just have these history lessons. I have crates based on every year. So I can just kind of show you the journey and show you how it evolved and how once this song came in 96, it changed up the sound of this. You don't hear this, this instrument no more. You don't hear these type of harmonies no more. So it's like, let me continuously study that whole aspect of it. Yeah, it's crazy how Jerkin just came back like this year. Yeah, what is that? Clubs, man. Like, I've, been, <laughs> I've been doing like these Jerkin yeah, yeah. sets from like. It's you know, crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny. It's it's yeah. it's it's interesting because like I, I was like when I see your videos, they go viral. Like on Twitter, they really do go viral. I think, and they're like always clever. They're just very the what you do is like really clever, and it's only I, you're one of the only people that I know who are who are playing some of these songs and doing some of these things. I think you recently did like an R&B party and you played uh, Deborah Cox, Nobody's Supposed to yeah. Be Here, I think, right? Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, yo, I haven't heard that song <laughs> in like 20, like almost 20 years. I was like, yo, how yeah. does he know this? And it's like, yo, he's playing yeah. this and the whole crowd was, nobody's supposed to be here. Screaming I mean, it with their soul. Yeah. And I was just like, yo. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> yeah. yo, I haven't heard that shit in mad long. And I would have yeah. never thought that uh, the crowd would have would have known that shit and, and to drop it. And I was so impressed and I was like thoroughly entertained. And I was just like, Damn, this motherfucker got balls. So, and so. he's like really in tune with the crowd. Like you were really in tune with your crowd over there. So, here, here's, so here's one thing. So I'll, I'll give credit where it's due with, with stuff like that. So it's where one thing about me is I study DJs too. And it's where... Like, even going back to that question about my influences, like, a lot of my influences are not the ones who you would think. Like, like DJ Bat, who we mentioned uh, earlier, is one of my biggest influences. Uh, Mark The Spot, for sure, and Tallahassee, DJ X, and KD, because it's where I'll listen to songs they play. So, with that Deborah Cox song, I remember I did a party with uh, DJ Bat called Brunch 2 Bomb two years ago, right before pandemic that mm -hmm. summer. And I, we were having, like, a little kind of a battle at the promoters. They, lo they love seeing DJs battle. It's the homie. So we're going back and forth, song for song. So it was getting higher and higher and higher. 
I'm broad drop Keisha Cole Love because that's some, that's something that they, they play in Florida. My homie Lewis kid. Yeah. He's he's my influence. He's younger than me, but I say I'm I'm influenced by him. He'll play Love and drop the beat during the hook and do and beatbox. So I'm mm. like. I'm gonna take that same thing, but I'm gonna add a little bass line to the beatbox. So I, I drop love, the whole crowd sings it because I never heard nobody playing love in the club, mm-hmm. uh, you know, 10, 12 years ago. But then Bad comes after me, he drops Deborah Cox, and I'm like, wait a minute, because I, <laughs> just like you said, like I know it, but I would never in my life think to play it. Right. And they, because because it's going like this, love gets them here, Cox gets them here, and I'm like. <laughs> Noted. Okay. So I'm like, now I'm like, let me add that to my set list. So it's like, yeah, that's yeah. the thing too. It's like, I go to so many different parties and I'm like, let me take bits and pieces. Cause even like people complain about, can we talk being so cliche and overplayed? I ain't hear nobody playing that 10 years ago. I, I didn't hear, can we talk in the club until the last couple of years. And my first time hearing it was my boy B him playing it at our HBCU party 2013. And when he played it, it was kind of a weird time. And I'm just like, why is he playing? Can we talk? But then people started singing it, and I'm just like, all right, maybe this song is nostalgic because I ain't hear nobody playing that. I heard people play like Touch Me, Tease Me, and Crush On You, but I didn't hear that specific song. But now everybody's playing that. So it's yeah. like I'm always trying to find those songs because even with retro music, it comes and goes because it gets played out. Five years ago, the biggest song was My Boo from uh, Ghost Town DJs. Right. That was 20 years old. So, yeah. It's weird. Like, I, MoMA, I remember MoMA was like one of the first people I ever heard play Can We Talk, like. Oh wow! Yeah, more than yeah. like almost ten years ago, and I'd be like, okay. "Oh shit!" And then he would get in, uh, it was at I think it's good spot parties, and the whole crowd would be yeah. singing this shit. Yeah. And it was like, and then to see where that song is right now, I'm just like, "Yo, like that's just you like came back. it's like yeah. a staple yeah. in every like R&B set now." It's, it's it really it's is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one yeah. of my things. I'm always trying to find those deep cuts, or not even deep, but just cuts that are forgotten about and it's it's tricky because it don't always work but it's like like one song that i found just because i'm a fresh prince fan i was like you know what i wonder if they're rock to that ashley banks song uh make up my mind i found the like the demo version of it which <laughs> sounds just like ashley i started playing that in the club and it's one of them songs that people are confused because they're, they're just like You're like i know i know, I know, I know this song, it but yeah. who is it they're like is it is it jade is it swv then then it's like you playing Ashley Banks. So it's like, I'm always trying to find them songs that people forgot that they knew. Because when you hear a song that you ain't heard in so long, you, you still know the words to it. It's the craziest feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. funny. Uh, um, when, I, when I look at, you know, your career and stuff, and uh, even the way, you, you know, how clever you are with all your videos. And I know, like, to create all this content, it's a lot of work. Even when you come up with yeah. like some of the polls and questions on Twitter, you know that's a yeah. that's a lot of work, and and you're and you're really diligent on it, and you're like you're, you're so diligent on it to the point where I'm like, damn, this dude doesn't stop. He's always consistent. He's just constantly on Twitter. He's actually you know asking these questions. He's on top of the pop culture and everything like that. So to me, when you know gathering all of this, I always thought like you would be great to have your own show like your own TV show or talk show, I could kind of like see that a little bit, you know, like just because of like, you know, whether it's radio or it's, you know, serious radio or it's, uh, you know, Apple, whatever beats, whatever the fuck yeah. it is. I could really see you having your own show and, you know, uh, and because you're constantly coming up every day with new topics and questions and you're seeing what's happening to the yeah. music and you're you're asking your following like yo do you see this do you see this and like oh yeah. so this is popping like y'all remember this when this was when this was happening yeah. and i was just like you're really on top of it so you know it, it's to the point where i was like Appreciate damn that. man i wish i could he could like i wish he could be a regular on fucking road because i you would always <laughs> come up with like really interesting topics 
And some of them oh, I would I, I would even yeah. take some of the time. I'd be like, yo. Over, yeah, I'd be like, yeah. yo, yo, this motherfucker yeah. this motherfucker artistic said this on like you know <laughs> oh, on wow. Twitter and I and I wanted to talk yeah. about it. But I, I really yeah. I, I wanna say, you know, what what you do is not going unnoticed and uh and uh oh, I really that. you know I'm really impressed and uh you know, I, I'm really happy for everything that that's happening right now with you. And I think that's I think you're gonna do so much more. And, uh, Thank you for that. I, I yeah, appreciate yeah. that a whole lot. And I can't. Yeah. And I can't. And I probably should say that on Twitter, but you know, I'd rather. I knew I would have you on the on the <laughs> podcast, and I yeah, would just tell yeah. you in person. You know what I'm saying? Face to face. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's but funny. You yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It, it's funny though. I always thought like, why don't I know this dude? Why isn't he mm. in the nightclub circle? You know. Mm. And then after talking yeah. with you and, and hearing it, I, I kind of understand why. But yeah. um, I'm glad. I'm, I'm really glad. You know. To see to have you on the podcast and to see where you are right now, and I think we're all looking forward to seeing yeah, you and, and what you're gonna and what you got in store, man. For real. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And even with the show, like one thing that I've done on Twitch is have I have a trivia night. So trivia night is just basically a mixture of all yeah. pop culture, old school, new school stuff. It could be something that happened yesterday. It could be something from forty years ago. But it's like that's me kind of tying everything together. So that is one thing I thought about, like. I don't want to be like the DJ Steve Harvey per se, but it's nah, like nah. if I had my own like trivia show that did make it to BET where I'm the one just kind of like, I'm the one hosting it, ans- asking the questions and maybe expounding like, because yeah. a lot of times I have trick questions or I have it where I had one trick question that killed everybody. Like who was the first um, blick, I mean, the, the first black, I think, Miss um, Miss USA. And everybody said Vanessa Williams. And I'm like, no, nah, she's the first black in Miss America. It's a difference type deal. So just kind of like, Little stuff like that just to kind of bring the whole, you know, black pop culture together. So yeah, yeah. that is something that, that I have looked at um, as far as the future goes. So no, nah, I think you're I think yeah. you're TV ready. You know, I, I could see definitely see you on TV and, and doing some some big shit. And, you know, like even coming up with questions for a trivia, you know, trivia night on Twitch. That's a lot of work, man. Yeah. So, you know, it takes work. <laughs> yeah, it, take, it takes hours. It takes it's hours. A, it's a lot yeah, of work, man. Uh, yeah. And yo, man, like. uh Yo, you're very inspiring and motivating to me, man. So yeah, uh, thank you for that, man. Thank you, much thank you for coming you on the that. podcast, artistic. Uh, yeah. Of course, no, much love to you for that. Yeah, thank yeah. you all for having me. For sure, man. Uh, I'm, I'm a sure. fan, bro. I remember the first time I heard you on Twitch. I, I don't know if you were playing UGK Woodwills or Take It Off. I think it was Take It Off. Take and it I was off, like, yeah. What this dude know about that UGK shit like that, bro? That, yeah. that threw me off. Yeah, I was, I was tripping because I'm yeah. a big UGK fan, and for whatever reason, I know a lot of South music just from growing up with my cousins and whatever, but. When you were playing that, I was I was really impressed, bro. So it's a pleasure to finally meet you, man. Yeah. We wish you well for real, brother. Yeah, oh, sure. No, I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. Whenever y'all are, um, of course, y'all are in LA. I saw y'all are in LA, and then uh, Crooked and Never. Whenever y'all here, God connect. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you oh, D, D and D artistic. You guys got to connect. You guys are like fucking. Oh yeah. These are like lost best yeah. friends that never yeah. met each other. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. It really is like that, though. Yeah. Blown yeah. away by the same people we meet. Yeah. So we definitely going to connect yeah. for sure, man. Yeah. yeah, of course, though. Of course. Yeah. Yo, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Artistic, what's your Instagram yeah. and uh, your Twitter for people who can follow you? Yep, it's the same on both. It's at DJRTISTIC. So DJ Artistic with no A, but shout out to DJ Artistic with the A. He in San yeah. Diego. But yeah, that's the homie right there. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. There's another yeah. artistic. Yeah. People always do kind of mix the names up, but it's just yeah. like that's the homie. So he always looks out. If something goes to him, he, he's like, no, you meant this artistic. So much love yeah. to him for that though. It's yeah. funny, D you brought yeah. up you brought up his uh his other uh, he did like a quick mix video like on some New York shit. You know, I, he was like doing some New York quick mixing shit. And yeah. I really wanted to like because I see a lot of quick mixing videos and I really wanted to hate on it. 
<laughs> and I was like, nah, this is, this motherfucker sounds good, man. He like oh, wow. he killed wow. this shit. I was like, and he from LA, oh, wow. and he from the West yeah. Coast. You know, for for me, I'll take any opportunity I can to shit on a West Coast DJ. Just, <laughs> I'm you know, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. You don't do that. I know. I know it. <laughs> I've already know it. Just, y'all, y'all talk too much out there. That's our thing. New York DJs, not shut up. And play a song with the mic. Nah, but nah, yeah. I was like, yo, I was yeah. like, yo, he he killed that shit. So, but you know. Salute, man. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming through. Appreciate of it. Of course, man. man. Appreciate y'all. DJ Artistic, y'all. Sure. Thank you. Man, appreciate you, brother. Appreciate y'all all, all day. Yeah. All day. Thanks for tuning into the Road Podcast. Don't forget, every Wednesday, we have new episodes on all major streaming platforms. And every Thursday, the video versions go up on our YouTube page. Please subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash roadpodcast. And to find exclusive clips of the pod, please visit youtube.com slash DJ City. And we'll see you next Wednesday.